0: Hello, and welcome to our Connected Philanthropy podcast. Today, we are so very privileged to have Corey Brester, Foundance Own Director of CRM and Information Systems, as our guest. As a solution provider for grantmakers, nonprofits, scholarship providers, and community foundations. Foundant is tasked with supporting the infrastructure of philanthropic programs everywhere. And in order to be successful at this, Foundant needs a reliable infrastructure of its own. So that's where Corey and his team comes in. Corey manages Foundant's internal corporate IT infrastructure and systems, as well as leads the company's initiatives on cybersecurity. And then outside of his daily management work, Corey also enjoys sharing his cybersecurity knowledge through Foundant's educational resources, such as blogs and webinars, and now this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Corey.
1: Glad to be here, Tammy, and happy to share some knowledge with nonprofits listening here today.
0: I am so excited to talk with you today. I have learned so much about security and threats from working with you. You have communicated how important it is as well as shown us that it isn't an insurmountable challenge, and you don't have to do everything at once. I know there are a lot of folks in our community who will appreciate this as well. So let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, I was thinking about talking and starting with that elephant that always seems to be in the security room and and talk about passwords first.
1: Yeah, you're, you're right, Sammy. I think people are probably tired of hearing about password requirements and and probably get frustrated every time they have to come up with a, with a new one. But we have to remember that you and I, our employees, um, everyone else in our organizations, um, they're our number one risk when it comes to cybersecurity. Human error is what will cause you to succumb to a cyber attack and education and caution are really our best tools. So, starting with creating strong passwords, use the strongest, longest password or passphrase that's permitted by a system, and don't use passwords that attackers can easily guess. Avoid using your birthday, your child's name, your pet's name. Attackers can use software that conduct dictionary attacks and try common words uh, that might be used in a password. They also do brute force attacks where they just continue to randomly apply passwords to a system until one is successful. So when you're setting security verification questions, make sure you choose questions and answers that an internet search wouldn't reveal the correct answer for you. It becomes even more difficult for someone to brute force a a password attack when your password is 12 to 15 characters long. So I know that takes a long time to type in uh, to systems, but the longer the password, the more difficult it is for a brute force attack. A password that's 15 characters long with upper, lower uh, case letters, as well as numbers can take a advanced computer system 600 million years to crack. So I cannot emphasize enough, have a long complex password. Now everyone's probably thinking, well, how do I keep track of all these passwords? Uh, you know, I'm recommending they use different passwords for different systems so that if one password was breached, you don't have to worry about somebody getting access to a different system. So once you choose those complex passwords, don't write them down, don't leave them somewhere where somebody can find them. Um, leaving them, you know, written on a sticky note next to your computer would be like leaving the key uh, in the door to your house. Get a password manager. Uh, Password managers are great for helping you create randomly generated passwords as well as storing those behind one, long, complex password. Always remember to log out of your websites when you're using a public computer, uh, if you're sitting at a library or internet cafe. Um, I can't guarantee that these techniques will prevent an attack, but it'll at least make it more difficult and you can do everything uh, in your control to try to protect yourself. And then finally, you know, as you're setting up these systems with passwords, if they offer multi-factor authentication, make sure that you are setting up those two-factor authentication methods.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's something I've been seeing a lot. As I've logged into existing applications, I I get offered, do you want to enable multi-factor or, you know, as I'm, I'm creating new accounts, uh, can you explain more about what this is, and maybe examples? And I've I haven't found that it's taken much of. It doesn't add that much complexity to log in.
1: And yeah, you're you're right, Tammy. That doesn't take a lot of extra work there. Um, an authentication system that requires more than one distinct factor is what creates that multi-factor authentication. Um, usually, you're using another application um, like Duo. Google Authenticator, Microsoft Authenticator, um, that's providing you with another unique code that verifies that you are essentially the person, that identity, that's your username, um, your email address, something that you know, which is going to be that password. And that's your your first factor. And then your um, additional factor there is going to be that code that comes from another system um, to verify that you have that it's something that you have. You have that system that's giving you that additional random code.
0: Yeah, it always it always makes me feel better knowing that if this was somebody who wasn't me, they wouldn't have their phone, my phone, right here, right? Or um, I would get a notification if someone tried. Oh, makes me feel better. <laughs> so one of the common things that I've seen is. Uh, a nonprofit. They have limited resources, and they have some accounts that are owned by one person, but need to be used by more than one person. How can they make secure passwords that that then can be shared?
1: Yeah, this is a a problem that I think a lot of um, smaller organizations have to try to solve when when they maybe only have one account because of the the cost that goes into um, extra licenses. I think you know you, you do what you have to there to to securely share those passwords using a product like LastPass uh, or One Password or PassPack, just to just name a few. Um, you know these you can create folders where you can share that unique password with with someone. I would caution to not use this as the the first option, um, because you'll lose the audit trail within the system if if somebody logs into your system and it's always being recorded as as a common user, you won't be able to keep track of who made that change or, you know, who altered the system. So unique logins is always the best option, but I know budgeting becomes tough and you you have to be able to share those passwords. Another caution there is, you know, if you do have staff turnover where you've shared that password, make sure it's part of your offboarding process that you are changing that password in that system that was shared
0: not too difficult to do change the password once once things happen but definitely have it on a checklist and uh that'll make make it not perfect but better yeah so how about checking the existing passwords i have cuz uh, i i have come a long ways Corey, i have but i did have one password i used for everything cuz <laughs> for a while back there and i've been slowly making Making changes, uh, and now I rarely use that one. Uh, but how how can you check if that password is secure? Or any is there anything available there?
1: Yeah, and Tammy, I'll I'll just remind everyone that um, I really want to encourage people to use a unique password for every system. Um, just reduces the the vulnerability there. But there are tools um, out there that are scrubbing some of the. Um, the breached password databases that that have come out and something like, um, have I been pwned? And we can drop that link in the bottom um, of this podcast so people can use it. Subscribing to the monitoring on that site is totally free. Um, You can subscribe for your organization's domain. Uh, If you're the IT manager, um, then you want to keep it close eye on your organization overall, but you can also subscribe for your personal email addresses um, as well as your personal work email address uh, to get alerted if a password is on a breach list or if passwords are um, on a compromised list. You can even use some of these password managers that I mentioned before. They will often have access to those databases of breached passwords and tell you if something uh, was on a compromised list or if you are using a redundant password that's already stored within your system um, or a password that's potentially weaker than it should be, they'll help alert you to that. Um, And even web browsers now, uh, if you're leveraging their password um, saving techniques, they'll also help uh, remind you to use different passwords and if something has been breached.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And I, I do want to let you know, that was in my personal life. That wasn't at work. <laughs> and I've almost got it all cleaned up, but it was a personal mess. Right. <laughs> so, um, and I, I can't say enough that like I use last based on your recommendations and it has made things easier. We'll also put those, uh, suggestions in the show notes as well on the, that Corey mentioned. So what about email phishing? These these are getting trickier to spot. It Used to be a more obvious to me, but lately I've I've seen they've they've upped their game. So can you explain what that is and and how to watch out for that?
1: Yeah, and you're right, Tammy. These these uh cyber attacks uh, through phishing are getting more and more creative. Uh let's we'll start by you know kind of giving everyone a little bit of background on the on what a phishing attack really is, um, you you know you should imagine the word fish, p h i s h, but with you know an f as if you're going fishing uh, or the um, attacker is going fishing and there's bait that they use to trick you into jumping into the net or biting on their hook. Um, an email that's pretending to be from your bank account with instructions to log in. Um, is a great example something that didn't actually come from your bank and is trying to capture your your banking credentials. You know, I even you go back to the the prince that is your long lost relative that has untold millions of unclaimed gold of gold just waiting for you. Yeah, those are some of the ones that are more obvious. Um, but as you mentioned, they're getting more and more tricky. There's not the obvious misspelled words. There's not the um, the obvious links that are Um, totally wrong. They are getting more creative, getting everything, everything closer. And now you're starting to see phishing, not just in emails, but in text messages coming from someone pretending to be the CFO coming from the president, asking you to buy gift cards. Um, You know, the, these fake emails that are more spear phishing, very strategically um, and precise in what they're trying to capture using information that, that pertains to a situation Maybe they know that your CEO is on vacation. And so leveraging that in that email to say, hey, I'm in the Bahamas. Can you buy all these gift cards or can you wire this money? Because they were able to see that on a social media um, post or something. They are really getting creative. So the very first thing that I just encourage everyone to do is hover over links before you click on them. Make sure that they look like they're going to the right site. When in doubt, go directly to that site, especially in a bank account situation or a sensitive, um, a system that's holding sensitive information, maybe your um, accounting system. Go straight to that site, log in from there versus clicking on those links when it's asking you to to reset a password or something. You know, even these emails have gotten creative to include brands and logos that are just misleading and, and false. And they're just hoping that you can That you'll fall for these and this is the number one concern that i have around um, organizational security is emails coming in that people get busy in their day-to-day and let their guard down for a second click on something log in and now all think they're logging in and now all of a sudden passwords are compromised and they need to go reset passwords if something like that happens in your organization uh, seek help uh, with your your IT department, if you use a third party IT department, um, get their assistance, especially if you think that those credentials are are across multiple systems.
0: Yeah, I. Those such as somebody out of the blue sending you a, a PDF of the invoice you know
1: <laughs> exactly I really start to question why why is this person sending this to me why are they asking me to do this um, that's that's a lot of what we see from when an organization has a compromised email account and someone's in there actively sending messages as them and they send a PDF that has a link in it? Well, why would you send a PDF to just include a link? So uh, a surefire way to, to catch that one. But email is the number one most common and successful uh, way that attacks are performed on the internet uh, with up to 90% of those successful attacks starting with a, a malicious email. So use caution when you're opening email attachments and, on, and links that you maybe shouldn't trust. And Malware is another thing that can come through email. It's super common to spread when you click a malicious link within that email or download a malicious attachment that maybe is an Excel file with macros or something. Um, Don't open those attachments unless you're certain they're safe and you know who they're coming from. And be especially wary of attachments with kind of names that are trying to trick you. Um, Something that seems too good to be true, misspellings, or you know, some sort of prize or um, uh, click here to claim this offer. Definitely stay away from all those as much as you can. Um, and use caution when you're providing your information. You know, emails might seem to be legitimate, but example of a, another email being sent from your system and administrator asking you to reset your password for um, a specific system. And is that normal for them to ask you to do that? Did they give you enough information as to as to why? Um, I just cannot caution people enough to just question emails before you click on links, and if it goes to a web page that maybe looks suspicious, don't enter your credentials. Um, phishing, again, like I mentioned before, is probably one of the biggest threats to organizations. And just think about this situation: if you have a weak password that you use for everything. And I mentioned earlier, unique passwords for every system, but you know, say there's that weak password and they get into everything and now they have access to your email, they blast all your donors um, or all of your colleagues with a false link and maybe one of your donors or colleagues um, is hasn't been trained uh, to look for those phishing emails. And now they enter information into a malicious site and they've compromised their credit card information. What does that look like for that organization? Now that donor or your colleague has potentially lost trust in, in your organization and your reputation.
0: Yes. Yeah. And your your advice to if you see something and you, you know, because they they do that spear phishing and and wait for a specific time or or use some personal information. Like I was a uh, vice president on a board for a nonprofit and I got a text saying, uh, the board president was unavailable, it needed to pay this invoice. And can you pay it with your credit card and, and I will uh, reimburse you or whatever. And I'm like, I got drawn in because it was like, who else would know that I'm this and, and she's that, but you know, it was, I think you back on it. Oh, that's information on our orgs, you know, webpage. And then, and then, uh, taking this pause there and going direct to the person in that case or to the website like you said rather than using their links has always allowed me to like okay if if some of it sounds legit just ask the person it takes a little extra time but saves so much pain
1: <laughs> and i know you know our listeners out there coming from all sorts of different sized organizations and they might be asking you know we're only one or two people in our, in organization. How do we, how do we bite off some of this? And I think the biggest thing is baby steps starting with just a little bit of awareness for your teams. Um, You know, internally um, within our organization, I think we've done a really good job of building a a culture of awareness. Team members as we grow are asking really good questions when they don't think that an email is is safe. Um, They send them over to my team and we can check those links for them um, or confirm. There are tools out there that can help reduce malicious emails coming into your inbox. They can be expensive. Um, so make sure we're right-sizing that for, for your for your business and work with some IT consultants out there if, if that's the, the right thing for, for you. But even if you're just a, a small organization with one or two staff members having some some annual cyber security awareness training that you do um either annually biannually might be just enough to protect you from that uh potential attack it you can f- find tons of resources online um for quick training there's training tools out there um you know, like uh know before or um internally we use one called called mimecast that we schedule awareness videos out to the team um, to give them just little snippets of information and things to keep that security and and confidentiality of information top of mind versus not thinking about it until something bad happens.
0: Yeah. And I... I have to admit, I look forward to the start of every month, which is coming soon because they've, Mimecast has done a great job. I'll put those links in uh, the show notes as well. But that monthly training has, as Corey knows, every once in a while it catches me and it catches me on an educational, which is a safe place, right? You know, and then I'm like, I I never want to not get 100%. So I, I, I try harder and learn more. It's that culture. I, I like that. You've covered some some really sound fundamental elements and uh that are and so a lot of examples of what a nonprofit could do to increase their awareness and of cybersecurity threats and what they could do. So thank you for spending time with us today sharing this knowledge and advice with our community. It it has really been helpful and and in our show notes, you will find the links to articles on security that Corey has written for Foundant, as well as the other resources that, that Corey has referenced. And before we close, I want to give Corey one more shot, you know, to to highlight and hit the things on, you know, if you were going to do something tomorrow or, or work it into your plan to make improvements in this area. Do you have any final thoughts? Or advice to leave our listeners with.
1: Yeah, Tammy, this has been this has been great. Thanks again for for having me on here. Um, I think for these for the listeners here today, if I could just encourage you to increase the length of some passwords. Like, start basic. If there's a look at your systems that you have access to and rank them from the most important, um, most security, highest security risk. Start there lengthen that password. If if you heard used unique passwords on all systems and went, oh no, that's not me. Start there, start by changing your passwords, using different passwords in all your systems um, and just increasing those complexity. You know, like I mentioned, the longer it is, the longer it takes for a brute force attack. And then, you know, in your organizations, if you see something that doesn't look right, ask, ask somebody, even if you don't have a cybersecurity expert uh, in your group, Ask a colleague, ask a friend, ask a family member. Does this email look weird? Should I should I email? Should I click this link? Or if someone sends you something that looks suspicious, ask them. Did you really mean to send this to me? Uh, that can be a, a a great first start to not um, fall for a phishing uh, phishing email. And you know, as I mentioned, human error is going to be the number one. Um, cause of a cyber attack for an organization. So just try to increase your knowledge. As Tammy mentioned earlier in the show, like I've tried to not make cybersecurity a super complex um, thing for Foundant. Like we are getting information to people um, in bite-sized pieces so that they can consume them and so that it's not a daunting task, but also keeping a culture of security that we keep data protected for our company, our clients, and and everyone else. So I I hope everyone has some takeaways from this, and I hope everyone can continue to be safe in the, the world of cybersecurity.
0: Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap. And if you learned something from today's Connected Philanthropy podcast, Please share it with others who might enjoy and benefit from this as well. We look forward to connecting again in our future webinars, podcasts, and encompass our community discussion platform. We wish you all the best success. And again, thank you. Thank you so much for all you do.